Life Audio. Today on Talk About That, John stalks Christian celebrities to give them our band's demo CD and ponders if a ghostwriter ever gets so busy they have to hire their own ghostwriter. Meanwhile, I lose my shirt in Kansas and tell the tale of the time the U.S. Army killed 6,000 sheep. Plus a conversation about celebrity worship and what it says about us. Today's episode is not sponsored by non-essential oils. Less helpful, but also not a pyramid scheme. But first, a word from our actual sponsors. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Pull up a chair, Johnny. It's your weekly helping. Let's talk about that. We're going to fix you up a plate. We're going to do it up real nice. Gonna have us some. I don't know why I went southern. You think people fix up a plate up north? I don't know. Do you say fixing to? You know, Andrew says fixing to a lot. I don't think I say it, but it doesn't like rattle me if someone else says it. Yeah. It doesn't be like, what are you. I think I've leaned. I grew up with fixing to. Yeah. I've leaned into some things like, hey, why am I judging people over choice of word? You know what I'm saying? Like, hey. I think the older I get, I'm more of a let people like what they like. Yeah. Kind of a guy. Like this podcast. Yeah. And and if you like this podcast, <laughs> this is a good time to talk about our patrons. We love our patrons, John. Yeah. They support the podcast at talkaboutthatpodcast.com where you can find all of our archived episodes. Over 250. Yeah. Too many, really. It's it's a heap and helping. We fixed you up a plate. It's indulgent. Of content. At this point. Yeah. Don't you think it's interesting that content and content is the same spelling? It's just a matter of like the context. And that I'm or context. content with with my content. Yeah. <laughs> or context. Aren't you, by the way, sending our uh, patrons a gift? They're getting a free gift from me this, this week. week. It's going out. I'm supposed to send an email today to get physical addresses. I've been dragging my feet because I was way on the road, and I apologize. Yeah. But that's happening. I'm getting them. I've got the bubble mailers. Yeah, and you have the email addresses because I, I have the email addresses. The so you will be getting an email from me to get your physical address yeah. so that I can show up at your house <laughs> <laughs> and hold like a stereo above my head like John Cusack. 
God, wasn't that a great movie? Are you a, listen? We're five years apart. Yeah. Did you enjoy Say Anything? Are you a Say Anything guy? I like Say Anything. Yeah, but it wasn't like a pivotal, no. seminal moment for you and your. No, it it wasn't. You were on to what? What other movie? What John Goonies. Hughes? Goonies. Yeah. Goonies is interesting because it transcends generations. I yes. think Sadie would probably watch the Goonies, although it's it's the kids are foul mouthed. Oh, they're horrible. We watched it. <laughs> yeah. And you had to be like, whoa, I don't remember that. Hey. Yeah. I don't remember Chunk saying that. We've come to the place with our child where it's like, you're going to hear words, uh-huh. and that doesn't mean you have to use them. Okay. Or else, what are we doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't keep from hearing words. So, yeah. It's that weird, like, how do you filter this? Um, so We don't talk this way, but we laugh at people that do. <laughs> Is that what you say? Is that what you do? You sit her down and you... We don't smoke. Hand me my cigarette. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like one of those... You know, like we're watching a show right now. Mm-hmm. And again, wow, I don't have a problem. Just right out of the thing. gate. Yeah. Not a sponsor. We're watching a show because it's, it's a show all the kids are watching, John. Oh, boy. Have you watched Outer Banks? I've heard about it, and I think the reason I haven't started watching it is because it feels like a very young people are enjoying it, and I feel like I'm not going to get it. I really like it. Okay. But it's got some bad language. Yeah. But it's very it's very like they've harnessed some sort of Goonies-type feel. Yeah. So it's like... Are they hunting treasure? Yes. Okay. A real treasure. Uh, from Two-Eyed Willie. From a, a, a true... Well, it's a little less... I guess he's not really a remarkable pirate. He had both eyes. It's not a pirate ship. It's a, oh, okay. a an actual British vessel that sank that had like four hundred million dollars worth of British gold. Okay, it was called the Royal Merchant. All right. So like, I thought this was going to be like a Dawson's Creek. This just has some intrigue to yeah, it. Yeah, it's very like okay. I'll check it out. Have, you know, people have been looking for it forever, kind of thing. But it it escalates quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's violence and murder oh, and other stuff, but there's a lot of this teen angst and. Do you think it's interesting romance. that when you watch shows now, it'll be like violence, language, smoking. Uh huh. Smoking is a. It goes right in there. It's like they're the same. Right. By our culture standards of what you should watch out for now. Yeah. Do so you think that's interesting? I feel like people. I'm are not m- saying smoking's good. No. I'm just saying it's interesting that it goes right beside nudity. It does. Yeah. I, well, obviously, there's been legislation. And if you've ever seen people naked smoking, oh, it is it's the most offensive thing most you can do in our culture. Possible while cussing. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I don't know what legislation was passed, but I think just the dangers of smoking have become so apparent. Like, there's zero good health yeah, outcomes from right. it. Yeah, and, but the idea that we need to protect kids from even seeing it, because obviously we know how much media can affect kids. They see a kid smoking, they go, that guy looks cool. Yeah. I want to go smoke like that kid. Is that what we're saying? Do you think if we took new podcast pictures smoking, it would help our downloads? I'll try anything. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I think it'd be funny to see me and you try to smoke a cigarette for the picture. I think people would go, that's 100% Photoshop. They wouldn't believe it. <laughs> I worked with, I've worked with comedians before. Uh, speaking of something similar to that, I worked with a comedian one time in Knoxville when I was starting out I was emceeing and you're going down there for 25 bucks a show and I was staying with my brother in his guest bedroom so that I could just try to make ends meet and you're just doing your five minutes or ten minutes up and you introduce the other comics and then you sit in the back and watch the show which is cool you get to watch a real pro do it and this guy had a Comedy Central special and everything and his buddy was featuring for him from that same scene in Cincinnati Yeah. so we're in Knoxville this guy both these guys from Cincinnati and he's watching this comic who has a good solid hour. And now all of a sudden these words start flying out in the middle of these punchlines that are not there before. It's he's cursing now. 
Hmm. He's being edgier. And the guy who's middling, who had just done the feature set, he keeps looking at me and he's doing these double takes. Like I go, what's going on? He goes, I can't get over it. He goes, he doesn't, he doesn't curse in his show and he's trying to loop in these curse words now interesting and they feel so out of place yeah like it felt put on like he was just pasting on uh-huh. you know and uh, i was like what an interesting thing because i've had people say that to me man i love your show man i can't even imagine how funny you'd be if you whatever i just want to see you do one show where you just let it rip and i was like i just don't i don't yeah. know i don't really have any it's not like i think that that's like right. some bridge that I can, if i cross i can never whatever there's reasons i don't curse and some of them have to do with my faith and some of them have to do with just the way that i feel about comedy uh, and I do like that families can come to my show and not have to feel like right. they got to be on guard. I think that's kind of important in our culture. It's it's fun, yeah, and it's a good challenge. But that's not to say that somebody goes, "Well, dirty comedy is not funny." I'm like, "Well, I disagree." There's a lot of things I've seen a lot of dirty comedy that I thought was very funny and very well crafted. Yeah, it's just not my style. But anyway, it meant a I, lot when you came to my show. Yeah, I appreciate right. that. Yeah, John, your show needs work, but it was. But filthy. the curse words were on point. No. <laughs> No, I just do think it's interesting that like when somebody tries to like if we try to be edgy and cool, yeah, it would come off as phony. And I think that's what was happening with this guy. His friend was like, "You don't say those words. What right. are you doing? You You're know? saying them wrong." Yeah, like I don't think you conjugated that incorrectly. Yeah. I was up there injecting pot. Like when it, it's like when you had the friend you know that like doesn't know drug culture, and he's just like, "They're on the pot. They're on the pot." Yeah, I'm <laughs> snorting my. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, I. I Bob Saget had that, I think it was in reverse. He probably started off as a dirty comic. Yeah, he was known in comedy circles. And so when he started doing America's Funniest Home Videos, and he was like this America's dad. And it was from Full House, the Full House. Then I think he would, you know, knowing of Bob's legacy, he would try to go out and make that show twice as dirty. Because he knew some of those people would come to the show, and he would love shocking them. Oh, yeah. That was kind of a thrill for him. You're thinking you're you're showing up for... You know, yeah, Michelle's the dad, and you're actually getting uh, no right. But I, that that's what's interesting to me is how a character can define you in our culture to the point that a viewer or a listener will almost argue with, "Hey, that's not really you. I know the real you because I spent years watching mm-hmm. this character." Like I deal with that with Sadie sometimes. She is. She desperately wants to know the real artist. Yeah. You know, we'll be like, we were coming back from volleyball last night. We were listening to Taylor and you just call her Taylor now. Just Taylor. Okay. When we talk, it's like, Hey, and (laughs) like Sadie's like, she'll push pause. Like, and she'll now make a comment about, I think Taylor is actually, I watched her documentary. Oh, right. I think she's really this kind of person. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because, and it's interesting how people want to know. Yeah the real you but do you think that's always been with entertainment i don't know i think it shifted i think social media shifted it like the access that we have now to celebrities and even if it's just like fake access i think the importance of that or authenticity has now become this big paramount thing like we're seeing it now with brendan frazier who's having like a comeback moment yeah and we get to all watch it happen. And so when he gets up and like is crying, saying like, I thought Hollywood was done with me. We're all so drawn in by it. Yeah. Because we, we see this guy who had everything and then it was taken away for whatever reason. And he had this lull in his career. And we put ourselves in his shoes. We all know what it's like to feel left out. Yeah. And so 
I think there's something about that demystification of Hollywood that we love now. And in the old days, it wasn't that way. We wanted to think that Cary Grant was an alien, that he could do a thing that we could never do. Interesting. We wanted to think Mickey Mantle was a superhero. Right. You know, he can hit a, a baseball to the moon and we could never. And that's the, what was cool about it. When we did our record uh, with an actual producer, he said, the producer said, uh, I sent your your CD, your demo to several labels, and they all wrote back the same thing. This sounds great. What am I looking at? <laughs> and he goes, if you don't fix your hair in a crazy way, he goes, you need to look. Uh, what did he say? He goes, I showed up to a thing one time. And Mercy Me was there. This is before they really broke. And now you can get away with it more. Like I said, it's changed. But he said, I just thought, are these the guys from catering? Like he was Mm -hmm. almost offended that they didn't look like aliens. Yeah. Like you need to look like a rock star if you're going to be a rock star. And I think now people want some of that, but they also want you to, they want to see what's behind the veneer. Yeah. Maybe. It's interesting. Maybe that's good though. I don't know that it's bad because authenticity is important. And it's important in Christian culture. So I think it's kind of, we maybe led the way on that as far as like the idea of it. I don't think we've led the way on always presenting it. Yeah. But maybe the idea that like, you know, man looks on the outside, God looks on the heart. So we need to look on people's heart. We need to look for the what's beneath. Yeah. And and you know what, listener? We want you to look at what's beneath. (laughs) (laughs) Segways. As we take just a few moments to hear from the wonderful sponsors who are helping this podcast make its way to you today. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. I think for me, I don't know if the act of performing, the act of writing, the act of acting, like I'm not sure it's possible to bring out the fullness of authenticity. I I question authenticity. It's probably part of my sixes. Well, what I mean is I think like, do you you need Tom Cruise to be a good person? Right. For you to enjoy his films. But can... Does Tom Cruise exist? I, that's that's where I get to. Like, right. Part of that's been my, famous for fifty years right. or whatever. My belief in in like that we're more than one thing. Did you say me, does Tom Cruise exist? I'm saying does. <laughs> is there a Tom Cruise? Wow, really, you blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> is there like a real guy? Yeah. Under there, right. That can be separated uh-huh. from what he does right. or from his public persona. I don't know. And you go because you do that only long if he, I think only if he had friends before he got famous. Those are the only yeah. ones who know the real him, maybe. Because yeah. everybody else is getting like the press secretary version of Tom Cruise, probably. Like, I think about that celebrities who want to get married, but they were celebrities as, as young people. That's yeah. why they have to marry celebrities. Yeah. You know, in general. Right. Who else are you? Who else is going to even understand the life? Right. I totally understand why they would do it. Like, when Laura and I, we talk about this all the time, you know, we have been through our own process of, I don't know, I hate to use buzzwords. And Laura wants to marry a celebrity and you're upset about it, but it's, it's, it's hard to get through. It's a thing we keep talking about. And I'm yeah. like, when is this going to go away? <laughs> um, it's been 22 years. You're with me. Yeah. Um, I think we always talk about the fact that we had a shared background yeah. that we both kind of have run from right. into other places. 
that has positives and negatives, but like that shared experience mm-hmm. helps us understand. Like if I just started talking about Pentecostal camp experiences yeah. in their fullness, you know, right. Um, to just a random person, right. Without any sort of context filter set up. Yeah. Like I would be afraid to, though Uh that's not something, it's not all bad. And I know there's lots of documentaries and other stuff made, but like it is a thing that you can't understand necessarily unless you've been. Yeah. Even if you want to say the positives of it, it, and not do like a hit piece on it, it just feels like it's got its own lexicon, its own. Right. Yeah. It's its own world. It's like a universe. And if, if, you know, you know this, but, you know, Laura and I, Went to that same camp our whole lives, uh-huh. had all the same friends, had never met each other. Still go every year. It's crazy. And still have friends and still never meet. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> somehow. But I mean, like, it when we finally did meet, it yeah. was like, okay, you get where I'm coming from on some things. Yeah. Uh, and I think that it's it's hard to know, like, who is the real... Like I don't know why a kid wants to know the real Taylor Swift. Like you said, yeah. I, I think you. I think you're right about social media wanting it, and I do think that there is a craving for authenticity. Uh, like our church isn't big or anything. We I, though the yeah. number one thing we do hear from people who come uh, when they will give us sort of sort of feedback, whether they stay or don't stay, yeah, is they feel that the people here from the staff down are being very genuine, mm-hmm. and that that genuity is like attractive genuity genuineness i don't know genuineness genuity ingenuity i know what ingenuity is so i just assume if you read the end <sighs> but ingenuity is genius re- okay. reworked if right. you're genuine you're not a genius johnny genuine genius.com um <laughs> that genuineness yeah. like is attractive and right. also super scary in a church world mm-hmm. because it's almost like hey that's what we do here <laughs> we don't want anyone hiding here you know yeah and so i I don't know, like, there's something attractive about it. And also, like you said, we don't want to know. I don't want to know that if Taylor mistreated someone, you know, said the wrong thing. Like, who cares? I just, I don't don't even like it. Like, I don't even like knowing that people who were in something that I really loved hated each other while they did it. I hate it. Like, uh, all the Monty Python guys don't like each other. It's just sad to me. Yeah. And then, like, I think I even read an article where John Cleese said that he hated the Holy Grail. That's yeah. like that's your seminal work. That's right. That's my childhood. You just what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was hacky, and we just threw it together. Like what? Don't. Yeah. Why can't you? <sighs> like when they feud, like the guys from Spinal Tap. You know they've had their falling out. And then they get back together and do a tour, and they they put a few dates together to pay mortgages. And but then it's they... a, it's a it's a satire about people who have falling out, right. fallings out, falling outs. Yeah, however you say. It. Like that's what's crazy to me is how right. that art's imitating the real life. That I was sort imitating of, the art. I sort of understand with comedy a little more than I would with music. I guess music is even more so. But it, to me, I understand comedy more. Even though we were in a band together, there was a. You were definitely the creative driving force of our band. And so we all kind of just sat back. John, what songs did you bring to us? And we would add our parts. There was your mistake. Yeah. yeah. But with comedy, you've done it by yourself your whole life. Yeah. If you're a stand-up or if you're... Now, if you do sketch, it's different. I guess you're used to being a team player. But you get these strong, creative minds, and they have very specific ways of doing things. Yeah. And it's my way or the highway. You get a really like... Harry Shearer uh, is known as like a very... Type A 
personality and kind of prickly. Yeah. And so, you know, then you put, you know, uh, Michael McKeon in there and Christopher Guest, both visionaries, but they're going to clash. And then you got to decide you got to, some ideas got to win at some point. So I can see why, but it bugs me. The kid in me goes, you mean they all don't go to breakfast together? Like you want them to all live in a house together. I think that there's something there that is maybe a, a, spiritual longing that maybe some echo of we're projecting like hey yeah what we really want is to be loved and we want the people that we respect to love each other yeah i think if you come down to it almost every the punchline of every show is really getting to it is is, just just, do i belong yeah can i be accepted even with my faults can i grow through my faults in a safe place you know we'll that's what we call that character development yeah and what you want is for it to work out and the thing that sells the show is all the tension of it not working out, right. but the hope that it might, the hope they might find the treasure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The hope along the way that when they get the treasure, they won't hate each other, have killed each other, you know. John, maybe the real treasure was the friends we made along the way. Is that what you're saying? Johnny, I think... I think some of it's naive, though, because, like, I've read these interviews, and I think he just did a memoir, which I need to read. Ralph Macchio did a memoir. And uh, which I think is called Waxing On, which is really kind nice. of a cool play on. And um, he he talks about like he would I've seen interviews where he says like people would go from the street and be like, how's Pat? Meaning Pat Morita. Yeah. Like him and Mr. Miyagi were just roommates to these people, <laughs> like all through the 80s and 90s. Just like, how's Pat doing? Like, I, I don't know. We did a movie. To, we did two movies together, three movies together. And that was it. Right. I don't know how he's doing. <laughs> You know, but they just like in our dumb head, we just think like, oh, they're they hang out every day. I think the need, and we've talked about this maybe before, but something even in recovery I had to deal with was, and I think it's culturally infused somewhat. Yeah, is and we had this when we were young, even as a band, and I think it's still there. I don't know how to escape it all the way. Mm-hmm. I've been through recovery. I've I've denied it. I've worked on it. Like. I still have a need to want to know or be close to or meet not like stars, but people in my field. I think for me, yeah, like I, wanna, I get that the, 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 the best selling author who writes right. the, the historical biography that everyone reads. Mm-hmm. I want to know him. Yeah. I want to learn from him or I want to, I want to feel like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to see how many steps can I skip by knowing this guy? Like, what could you do for me? Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean like I want to, no, that's true. I'm I get interested that. in his life and, and I don't know how to separate like that because in our early days we thought it's so funny. I won't say who the band was, but we would go to big Christian shows. Mm-hmm. It happened to us multiple times and we would finagle our way. Yeah. Just like meet, meet the band and the tunnel which, looking back, the reason we can meet the band at the tunnel is it wasn't that big of a show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like the security was high. And we thought if we could just get our work into their hands. And right. complete, like, if you guys don't know, getting your work into someone's hands that does what you do usually is not the path. Right. There's an agent. There's a manager. There's a, a label. There's a publisher. Those are the people. Are you getting a lot of submissions, John? And you're trying to stop this. Guys, you're like, I'm sick I can't. Of it. I can't help you. <laughs> you know, anytime someone reaches out, like, and I'll let them know, like, you know, I'm a no, like, yeah, like I get still get way more no's and I get yeses on everything that I do. Yeah, but I'll try to listen and be like, hey, or, or point them to where maybe they could, or offer if they want some feedback. Uh, but I also go like, guys, my feedback 
I don't sell books for a living. I write books for a living. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, right. I don't sign people. I'm not able to do anything, you know. I'm just hoping to still get signed myself. I can't even write. Like, I'm not really writing. This is an chat, algorithm. Chat GPT. I have a ghostwriter for me yeah. who's a ghostwriter. I'm subletting out. Wouldn't that be something? The project. That's probably happening for somebody. Oh, I'm sure. Somebody's like, that's, that's a famous ghostwriter, well-known. They have a But team. they're tired of writing ghostwriting books. They're like... Kind of some sub this out. Right. They got five books at once they're juggling. Yeah. So four of those are being written by ghostwriters. Got to be something. It probably is happening. Yeah. But not for me, Johnny. No, no, no. I take on the projects myself. And, and John is available to be commissioned <laughs> for a commission. But I just think there's like that need to want to connect. And I think, you know. Well, that's that vulnerability that we long for in people who are in elevated form. Like. I think it's different because I say that it's different in generationally, but I don't think it's different generationally because I think there were always people who I looked up to when I was a kid and I wanted to see them at the pool with their kids. I wanted to see what Johnny Carson was really like. Yeah. I wanted to know that. And I wanted to know that he was a nice person. Yeah. But, uh, and sometimes you find out and you go, well, this is horrifying. Yeah. That's not a great moment. But I do think like the main thing is we want to see Sometimes you do. You want to be like, that person is just great, and they have a thing that I could never do. And I, it's almost like we want to worship them a little bit yep. and put them on a pedestal because it makes us feel okay with being average because we're like, well, yeah, but he was clearly gifted with something. Yeah. So we can kind of rest a little bit. We're like, yeah, but I could never do that. So let's just put it out of, you know. I think you're nailing it on the head in that it is a – we as humans desire something to worship. Yeah. I, I got, gosh, I know by saying that. Right. But I think you have to really lean into what you think worship means. Yeah. I need something to elevate higher than myself that gives me a fixed point. Yeah. To reach for, to hope in. I think a lot of it is, is if I reach that person, maybe they'll give me the secret so that I, because it's all about, I'm actually, it's not them I'm worshiping. It's their success that I want for myself. Right. Yeah. You so, put yourself in their shoes a little bit. Hey, help me know how you got there. But but it's still desiring. I'm I'm in in this world all the time, daily. Like trying to get worshipped, I get you. Trying to stop worshiping oh, something that's else. Different. It's hard. Yeah. Like cuz it's it, it it is to it is to worship something is to be human. Like I desire something higher than me. Right. And and even if and again I'm not getting off in the weeds here. You know, if I speak to atheist friends or whatever, and I know I'm not the gotcha guy. I try not to be the gotcha guy anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to win arguments and lose people, you know, in relationships. Like at the end of the day, they're generally arguing along the same path with me of something else that no, 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 it's you're wrong about you're wrong about what's actually higher. What's yeah. actually higher is this knowledge, mm-hmm. this research, this science, this yeah. you know it's still and I still you're still searching for something higher. Right. Like it's still a, it's still the same search that I, that I, that that I think we're on, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to demystify atheism or or boil it down and you know with simplified dismissal. I don't, I don't mean to do that. I mean there people there are a lot of smart people believing a lot of things. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not I'm not here to to bash it. I know what I believe. I'm saying I'm a I'm a person who, of faith who's trying to be a person of faith. <laughs> But I, I think to go, hey, but there is a common craving between the two of us right. that maybe we can identify. And it is hard. I don't think there's ever a moment that I wake up and go, I think that's why the, we're talking about that in church right now. 
practices and disciplines are important because they remind you of something. Because I do believe there's like a daily forgetfulness yeah. of the soul. There's like this. Mm-hmm. It's scripture is it, we kind of make it more poetic than we do actual. But the whole idea of you know the outer man is perishing, the inner man is being renewed day by day. Like there's always a time constraint put on the renewal. Yeah, that uh, his mercies are new. It's not just his mercies are new. His mercies are new every morning. There's that 24-hour sort of reality to it that I take very literally now in my life to go, okay, I'm not unsaved every morning. I'm not – I haven't physically, mentally, logically forgotten who God is. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to tell you something. I do every day. There is a drift. There is a drift. Some days it's worse than others, but there's every day a need for a reminder or a return and I think it does come down to worship. And I can generally see it in my pursuits back to where we're talking about. What is it? What phone call do I think would come today that would make me feel whole? Mm-hmm. Like I told you before we started, like, dude, I just feel like I need to win on some things because there's been a lot of not, not winning. <laughs> yeah. Some people call that losing. <laughs> I couldn't say it. <laughs> John, <laughs> we don't say loser in this household. We say not winner. But I want to be the guy, and I'm trying to be that guy, and I'm choosing that. Yeah. I just don't choose it all the time. But right. daily, I'm trying to go, hey, not winning today does not change who I am. Right. And it does not change my fixed point of hope. Yeah. I don't need to be, I don't need to be living win to win. That's a bad way to live. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I like, here's the thing, too. Like, <laughs> you get these moments, too, where you get humbled, and it's like this, uh, it's it's jarring, but it's almost like a breath of fresh air. I had this moment where uh, I was doing this men's event in, um, where was I at? It was in uh, Kansas a couple weeks ago. And I'm doing sound check, and there's people kind of in the room already, and I'm getting a little annoyed. I'm like, oh, they're already in here. But I don't want to be that guy that's like, kick everyone out for my glorious whatever. <laughs> and so I'm doing guitar strum. Okay, this is fine. This is fine. And I'm leaving, and they've got the door kind of sort of closed, but it's prop, but it's one of those doors where it kind of rubs, uh-huh. and so it won't open all the way, and it won't quite close all the way. Mm. And I'm like trying to just sneak by, and I've been wearing this shirt uh, on stage that's like uh, it's got little not pearl snaps, but they're snaps. Yeah, and <laughs> did it hang? It caught on the door. I'm trying to just <laughs> sneak out, do a little. <laughs> you know how you think your body's a certain size. <laughs> You go, I'll fit through that. Right. It's like operation. Yeah. No. You eh, you hit the sides. <laughs> it hit the handle of that door. It tore seven of those snaps open. Wow. I'm not it's not like one or two. It was like Johnny's a gigolo. It was <laughs> it was crazy. It's just suddenly shirtless in the green room. Yeah. But no, it was the end of the lobby, but luckily there wasn't a lot of guys milling around. Yeah. So I quickly like, oh <laughs> I clutched my I clutched my pearls, yeah. Oh my <laughs> was immediately overclimped grab an afghan off the couch or something but it was it was like a moment of like you think you're this big thing and now you're naked like literally the wow. emperor had no clothes for real wow. you know but and i have this moment too where uh it's like sudden onset vulnerability yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. immediate like yeah, oh you, you think you're that cool huh yeah. you think you're that guy mm. And so now I'm not going to wear that shirt anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to fix the humility 
Right. I'm going to get a better shirt. You're it's going more, to, better quality. It'll be sewn shut. It will be. Right. You, I'm going to be. I'm going to wear the same shirt every day. Like those people in the future that have the weird gray clothing or silver, and it's just like all <laughs> one outfit. There's no seeable right. like seams or buttons. It's how just like how did he get, how into, did he get that? into that? Exactly. Are they stitched into that? I'll have that on. Oh, so that's, that's me. Take I'm, a personal tailor to stitch up your shirt right before I read. I am from the planet Voltron Six, <laughs> and these are the jokes. And then I just launch in. Wow. But yeah, it's like, and I have this thing too where I get the hiccups really bad yeah. now sometimes. And so I try not to eat before a show because I'm afraid I get these like <laughs> ones that just like suck back lurching yes, hiccups. I know them well. And I keep waiting for a moment in the show where I'm just in the middle of a joke and then I have to explain why I just had a spasm <laughs> on stage and I have Tourette's or something to these people. So I'm kind of terrified of it. But And Curry gets them too. And so she found this device. This is not a sponsor. And I know we're going to do This Week in History next, and then we'll close. But she found this thing called, it's a straw. It looks like a little, it's like a big straw, but it's like, you know, four inches long and has a little L on the end of it. And somehow you put it in liquid and you use it to draw in the liquid like a straw. And that whatever it does to restrict the flow or let in just enough, it, and, uh, it's called Hickaway. No way. Yeah. Hickaway. Hickaway. And I was like, I don't. Are you? I don't love the branding. You're gonna pull out your special straw. Yeah, I said it sounds like it repels rednecks. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Let me tell you something. We don't like your kind. Whoa! Whoa. And you pull it out, and they go, (laughs) Uncle Larry, gone. Yeah, right. Hickaway. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Beauregard. And I don't know how she found this product. It was one of those, the algorithm found her. Maybe she was searching for like how to, you know, natural remedies for hiccups because she's tried it all. I hope she was searching something. She literally does peanut butter is her go-to because evidently it kind of is an adhesive. Through a straw. Through a straw. That's amazing. And it (laughs) caved her forehead clean in. No, she, (laughs) she can't, uh, she can't pronounce her R's anymore. No. So she does peanut butter and evidently it kind of like secures the epiglottis down. <laughs> as an adhesive of some kind, <laughs> but now she does the hickaway, and so we're going to do a commercial. So you got one. We got one, and we're going to do the commercial. Uh, it's going to be. I mean, she's going to wear it like a, like a one of those things, like your medic alert. <laughs> you just have it handy, just hanging and, around her neck, right? And then at the end of the commercial, she's going to say, "I've fallen, and I can't hiccup." <laughs> so that's our guys. I hope they're listening. Yeah, I would love They're to gonna, do it live, guys. Seriously, someone out there, Hickaway is going to happen. Uh, oh, all right, guys, goodness. it's time uh, to close the show with uh, our weekly this week in history segment. It's called Talk About Then. All right, John, we got a few weird ones. The Phoenix Lights were seen March thirteenth, March thirteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Thousands of people witnessed lights over Arizona and Nevada. In a space of about 300 miles, people believe, many people believe, these were UFOs, while others claim they were flares dropped by the U.S. Air Force. And now, you know, the government's starting to release things Mm. about, like, UFOs. They're not saying it was aliens necessarily, but they're saying there are unidentified things that we admit we don't have an excuse for. We don't have an answer for. So, Yeah, I saw that. They're like, they didn't pass something in Congress to release it? Something, and then... It happened during the pandemic, like the middle of it. So it was just like, it kind of just flew under the radar, literally. It was just like this thing of like, <laughs> people are dying and 
arguing over masks and things, and so you were able to just be like, "By the way, aliens may be real," <laughs> and it just it just it's totally like page five. It really right? was. It didn't, but I don't <laughs> I mean, know. What that doesn't make page one. That's how you know. Here's another one. This one's weird. The U.S. Army in 1968 this week killed six thousand sheep with nerve gas. The U.S. Army wow. accidentally killed six thousand sheep. At least it was an accident. Their but, crime. Pulling the wool over their eyes. Sorry. They did. They pulled the wool over our eyes for 30 years. Wow. Uh, they denied it until finally admitting. That's the thing about our government. You know, they'll be like, no, of course not. And then later they're like, by the way. Their crime? <laughs> Area 51. Real. They had been so bad. John, Johnny. <laughs> you should have quit it pulling the wool. I know. I'm sorry. It's fine. We'll edit that out. Yeah, let me do the jokes. Uh, An Army me. aircraft was flying a nerve gas test mission over the Dugway Proving Ground, which we all... Right. That's our favorite, our favorite proving ground. It's time of year. Not a sponsor. With chemical dispensers containing the nerve gas VX, uh, when a malfunction caused one of the dispensers to fall completely, fall to completely empty. So it just basically emptied itself out because of this malfunction. As the aircraft gained altitude after its bombing run, the remaining VX gas leaked out behind the aircraft over ranches outside of Salt Lake City, eventually settling over a flock of sheep, killing 6,000 of the people working in the area developed nervous system illnesses that were indicative oh. of low levels of VX exposure. So I don't think it killed people, but they just had low-level system, nervous system illnesses. And uh, the Army denied responsibility because, yeah, how do you say, hey, we might have poisoned the general area. So you deny, deny, deny. And then uh, the 1970 study conducted by the Army showed – so they conducted their own study, so that's interesting – showed incontrovertible evidence that the gas test killed the sheep. Oh and it was found gosh. in the snow and the grass samples, and it was not released to the public until 28 years later. So they knew. Right. Until that guy retired. Basically. Right. And uh, no international outcry over the incident uh, led U.S. President Richard Nixon, uh, the international outcry, I'm sorry, led him to ban all open-air chemical weapons testing. So that kind of like slowed down the idea of chemical weapons. Yeah, but what are they doing for nerf- the next 30 years until that happened, they were still doing it. Probably. We were just ramping it up. And so, yeah, there would have been a lot more probably like nerve warfare and chemical warfare if that accident hadn't happened. So it kind yeah. of slowed the the weird pursuit of that as a Jeez. agent of war. So hooray for the sheep. Technically, we're sacrificial lambs. John. Oh, see, Johnny did it. He got there. I didn't even mean to. This uh, is. Must be nice to have your brain. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, a couple more. Uh, the planet Uranus is discovered by. I just wanted to say Uranus was discovered, but I didn't. Uh, discovered by William Herschel. Uh, it was the first planet discovered by telescope. Did not know that. Really? At first, he thought it was a comet, but then he was like, "Hold on, it's not moving." Well, I mean, they're technically it's an orbit. Right. Uh, observations from other astronomers proved it was a planet. Uranus is the seventh planet from the sun. Did you know that, John? The seventh. You know that we're the third. Right. If you believe in that sort of thing, <laughs> it's classified as an ice giant, which I guess that means it's not going to be inhabitable for. Right. <laughs> Uranus is an ice giant, is what I guess I'm saying. Here's another one. This is funny. The next one down, Pluto, uh, was discovered March 13th. What's the other one? Yeah, both were discovered March 13th, 1930 and 19 and 1781, wow. respectively. So this one's pretty recent, 1930. Uh, Pluto, and then of course they said it wasn't a planet for a while. Now I think it's back. Right? Isn't it, it back? The outcry. Yeah, there was a lot of. Yeah, they thought maybe it was a moon. It's like guys. I thought it was just like so small they didn't classify it. Is that how it works? How does planets versus 
Because it's not a satellite. I know you're going to find this hard to believe. I don't specialize in you don't specialize in you know, classification. So <laughs> I, I did not go to that class in college. I can't wait to get you in my pseudo quasi-futuristic clothing. Then you will. Oh, man. I'll That'll, that. That's the key to everything. I'll probably be the first officer one on the bridge. No more snaps yeah. for anybody. Uh, let's see. And I had one more that I wanted to uh, to do. Oh, L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, was born uh, in nineteen eleven. I don't know if you know a lot about the whole Church of Scientology. It's an interesting story. He was just a science fiction author, right? Mm-hmm. And then he he lost the rights to Dianetics, his book, in a nineteen fifty two bankruptcy, and went on to found the Church of Scientology, which he grew into a worldwide organization. He had a prolific writing career in the thirties with numerous stories and articles published in magazines of the day, and then like. He just basically got his tax exempt status and was like, I know how I could. So it's basically from the get go was kind of a racket yeah. to just avoid taxation. Wow. And, uh, and be, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting to me the things that people follow, but I don't know. I know everybody's got their beliefs and things, but that's a tricky one when it's like pay this much money to go up the ladder. And you're like, this is clearly, this right. feels like a clear. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a really nice Scientology building in downtown Nashville right by Fort Negley. The like theory historic building that they've right. Known. The they, theory about most of these buildings is that they're empty. They build these buildings as a it's like a show. Right. But there's nothing going on in the building. It didn't look like a lot was happening. Right. I wanted to go into because it's a historic building that they bought. And you talk about catering to the outside and celebrity culture, like Scientology just makes no bones about it. They have yeah. the celebrity centers in big cities. Mm-hmm. Where they just go, no, we want, we only want Will Smith and Tom Cruise. Yeah. We don't care. Like, we want them to come because they have higher ranking here. It's like, yeah. that doesn't feel right. very religious. <laughs> it does feed, though, into, again, the craving. Right. So if you just kind of deny. They're the privileged. They're the. Right. And if you are the privileged one, you're like, well, yeah, this is of what course. I deserve. Yeah. I should have. Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. get it, John. I don't know why you. Finally, right. John, Benjamin Harrison. President Benjamin Harrison died March 13th, 1901. Wow. Uh, he was our 23rd president. Then mm. he died in office, correct? Mm. Wasn't it? No. Wasn't? Mm-mm. Who's the one who died? Like, he caught cold at the inauguration and died a few days later. Is that huh? not him? Mm. Wasn't somebody? No. <sighs> uh, William McKinley died, I think, shortly after. No, McKinley was shot. Then you had... Oh, don't quote me, guys. I'm trying to remember the guy who was at the inauguration and he was like ill and he didn't last like very long into his life. This guy was president, it says 89 to 93, so he did his whole term. His support of spending programs during his term earned uh, earned Congress the name the Billion Dollar Congress. So I guess that was a big, I don't know if that's a slam. Maybe that was a slam. I would imagine. Because he was spending. Uh, I don't even know if he was who a was, who, who are we talking about right now? Benjamin Harrison. So William Henry Harrison. Is the one who died. Uh, he died in office. And I'm telling you, I think it was because he, at the inauguration, he was not well. And they were like, I'm going to stay in. They're like, no, you got to go. It's for. Uh, took his morning walk to local markets without a coat or hat on March 24th, 1841. Caught in a sudden rainstorm, did not change his wet clothes upon turning the White House. Became ill, okay. sent for the doctor, said he was feeling better. They gave him medication for fatigue and mental anxiety. The next day, the doctor called again, found him with a severe chill. He took another early morning walk, 
Uh, As you do when you have a severe chill. The doctor applied mustard plaster to his stomach and gave him a mild laxative. Well, that doesn't feel like it should have. He felt better that afternoon. That's what I would do today. Yeah, I mean, I love a good Fetch mustard plaster. Fetch me my mustard plaster and my him, laxatives, and I'm gave good to go. heated cups to the president's skin to enhance blood flow. Uh, and this doing, didn't do it? They did bloodletting. Oh, uh, after a severe pain in his side, they gave him castor oil and medicines to induce vomiting. Wow. And then diagnosed him with pneumonia in the right lung. And a team of doctors came in, and this was now five days later, they confirmed the pneumonia. Oh, he was boy. administered, wow, this is a lot of stuff, Landamum. Sorry, laudamin, laudamin, laudanum, opium, and camphor, <laughs> along with wine and brandy. Wow, they just really went after this guy. They threw everything at him. He did not survive. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, this was clearly quackery, what they were doing to him. But also, do you see how they still kind of support the idea of, like, well, he went out without his hat and coat in the rainstorm? That's yeah. not how people get sick. Well, that's actually how George Washington... That, you don't get sick from rain and cold. Well... That's not how you catch pneumonia. My wife and I have this debate all the time. She's all, she says the same thing you're saying. And she knows more than I know. And she's a nurse. But Would I she go, recommend mustard plaster? But I also go, but we all know yeah. that cold weather can induce cold symptoms. And cold symptoms Man, can develop into something else. So you might start with a sniffle. And then it... You know, it creates where you have a greater mucus flow and now suddenly develops into pneumonia. So, Johnny, I believe wearing a coat in the winter does keep you well. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I believe it's a good idea. I'm thinking. I'm I don't know if it's what killed William Henry Harrison, though. If he'd only had a coat and put on more mustard plaster, he'd still be alive. Uh, well, I don't know a mustard plaster. Fetch my warm cups and castor oil. Uh, let's get the leeches and storm the. I don't think if you're bedridden and you can't get up. That laxatives are ever the answer. Right. Hey, get some more laxatives in this guy. Because it said basically he started having bouts of diarrhea with delirium. He had so much diarrhea, That's he became delirious. Diarrhea delirium. <laughs> so, one of the worst diseases you could ever have. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He th- only thought he was taking a long walk. <laughs> He's just laying in bed, just. Wow. No. Anyway, uh, Benjamin Harrison, not the other guy we were talking about. Benjamin Harrison was the first sitting president to attend a Major League Baseball game. Huh. 1892, Cincinnati beat Washington 7-4. to Wow. So I guess that was kind of a – maybe it was a security risk or is this the thing of like he's just trying to like, oh, let's I'll be a common person. It had nothing to do with that. Do you think people were afraid? Because people were getting assassinated even back then. Oh, yeah. So maybe more, it was – More often than today. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, the, f- the oldest existing recording of a U.S. president's voice is of Harrison in 1899 regarding the first Pan-American Congress. Wow. So he was the first one to be captured on tape. And that's what started the whole, what we're talking about, where now it's like uh, we feel entitled to hear everybody's voice whenever we want and feel connected to them. And- yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if he didn't show up to baseball games before then because the president was not expected to be at social events on the same level. Right. Like they expect it. you to be doing the business right. of the people. With your billion-dollar Congress. Right. Writing oh, those yeah. blank checks. Yep. My goodness. Interesting. I yeah. I would well, love to hear that recording. It's probably out there. I'm sure it's online now. Well, John, you're a... There's, you click around. There's, yeah. There's no way We'll put it in the show notes. Speaking of show notes and online, yeah. uh, there's so much more to this podcast that's available for listeners. We, hey, we're gaining some new listeners right now. Hey, and, go to uh, our Facebook page. We never push that, but go to the Facebook to talk about that. 
uh, Facebook page too, and we need more likes on that because we're going to start sharing more content there as well. It's are there individual pages? So I usually yeah. share the clips on my comedy page. Which right, is, we usually share it individual places. Yeah, that, yeah, but I also wanted to grow that page too. Well, just go with time. me, John. Go do something with it. I apologize. I'm. Uh, I don't want to drag my feet. Yeah, but hey, and, and you can still because this episode's being pre-recorded. Uh, you probably. Could become a patron this week, and Johnny would also send you. Uh, listen, you can get in just under yeah, before the art door journal. closes. Free yep. journal at any level, although the higher levels are better. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, it's like Scientology. <laughs> 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 the more you pay, oh. what level thetan do you want to be? Come on now, that's fine. That's good. You should check out Johnny's comedy, guys. Uh, he's a hilarious guy. He mm. really, really is. He, he's maybe a special gift to this generation. Don't. <laughs> no, don't, don't do that. Don't do that ever. Check out Johnny W J O N N I E W. Ooh, new tour dates are coming out mm-hmm. all the time. We're released. We just released a bunch of new tour dates, so I'm probably coming to your city. Get some tickets and come out and say hello in person. Yeah, I'd love to do that. John is a recluse. You cannot say hello to him in person, no. but you can read his books. You can join uh, me in the pages of yeah, just whatever books. of your imagination. <laughs> the color, all the colors of a child's imagination. John paints with. The English language is his playlist. Oh, my goodness. I serve a plate of metaphors every day. He's fixing you up a plate. Right now. We're back. We're back. Okay. But check him out uh, on Amazon. Search John Driver. Yeah. Or just go to johndriver.com. Oh, johndriver.com. Like, yeah. All of his books are linked there. Yeah. So do that. If you see John C. Driver, that's also me. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting that out there now because I'm going to start using more John C. Driver. I like it. It's very, yeah, it's sophisticated. In the old days, because you know what, I don't think we should say what the C stands for, because it, it would be jarring to people. People don't expect it. Cephas. You know what it stands for. It's not Cephas? No. I know what it stands for, yes. But if I was going like, again, L. Ron Hubbard, right? like you don't do that. So my grandfather went like that. Oh, the first initial was yeah, the- Yeah, it was T.M. Driver. Yeah. You know? um, so I think we should go, I should, be, I should go by J.C. Driver. Yeah. What do you think? Maybe. It sounds like, tr- it? sounds like a trucking company. J.C. Driver and Company. <laughs> I'm home every weekend. <laughs> the hours are unbelievable. Big shout out to our listeners who are truckers out there right now. Thank you for your patronage. Yeah. Uh, I do hope. Man, it would be great to be a trucker and listen to 250 episodes You know, in C- a row. CB radios kind of are the original podcasts. Yeah. If you think about it. They're like short form podcasts. Or the original tweets, maybe. Well, except that they're talking back to each other. Yeah, but that's what tweets were. You're like, like, hey, just so you know, there's a Smokey over the ridge. Right. Same thing with Twitter, but you're saying, hey, this Oscars is so lame. <laughs> you know, it's the same. It's just like that. It's exactly apples the apples. same. Yeah. <laughs> hey, also want to give a shout out uh, to our friends at Life Audio. You can check out more podcasts about all kinds of cool stuff at lifeaudio.com. Uh, excited to be partnering with them and appreciate... Uh, Johnny, their friendship. Yes. You know what I'm saying? We're authentic people. We want uh-huh. to know the people at Life Audio. Mm-hmm. And so uh, exciting more, exciting content and greater doses coming out with them as well as we move forward. So, hey, thanks for the time you gave us today. We'll look forward to doing it next week on Talk About That.
Has fear stolen your peace? I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, helping you fight your fears and grow your faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.